Welcome to Celebrate Cultivate, a podcast about celebrating the good in life and cultivating more of what you want. I'm your host, Kayleen Elise. My intention is to offer deep breaths and ideas for appreciating the magic in everyday life. I'm here to help you listen to your intuition, trust your inner wisdom, and act with inspiration. Let's get to it. Hello, welcome to episode 133. Today we're having an honest conversation about navigating motherhood when you don't have a typical relationship with your own mother. I am admittedly a bit nervous to get into this conversation because I'm sharing about my personal journey with my mom and as a mother. And I'm going to talk about how the practice of self-mothering has helped me give myself the support I need. If this is your first time tuning in, hello, thank you for coming here. And if you have been listening forever, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me in this journey. I am Kayleen Elise Seuss. I'm an intuition coach and a mom of three living in Austin, Texas. And being a mother has opened me up in ways I could have never imagined. From the early days of pregnancy and the throes of toddler tantrums to magical pinch me moments that are completely unplanned and just seeing myself from my children's eyes, this whole journey has just been everything and totally not what I expected. So of course, I'm not going to be able to talk about every single detail, nor would you want to hear that. But I'm going to share a little bit more about my background, my backstory, and the places I've been that have brought me to where I am today. And then we're going to talk about this idea of self-mothering because I didn't even know what that was until several years into being a mom. And maybe intuitively, I understood what it was, but I certainly didn't have a name for it. And maybe you don't either. So we'll talk about that. But If you know me in my personal life growing up, I always wanted to be a mom. I was the oldest or am the oldest grandchild on both sides of my family. So I was the first baby and I have a pretty young family. My parents were in their early 20s when they had me. And both of my parents are also the the oldest in their families and their parents had them young on the younger side. And so as a kind of a cascade of events that I had, you know, young grandparents, I still do. And growing up when I was quite young, there was a collection of cousins around and babies. And I just remember being, you know, a baby myself, maybe seven years old, eight years old and carrying around my cousins on my hip and just loving, loving, loving babies so much. And in high school, I was a babysitter and I taught swim lessons. I never really had a quote unquote real job. I taught lessons 
throughout swim lessons throughout my whole neighborhood. And that was kind of my primary job in addition to babysitting. And again, I was one of the older kids in our neighborhood. And so it got to a point where I would just tell the families that I worked for like, Hey, I'm free on Saturday night. If you guys need a night out and they would book me. And it was, it was such a cool experience and I'm sure they appreciated it. Um, you know, having the encouragement to get out on a date night now on the other side of that, I know how important it is to make time to, you know, have space from your children and connect with your partner. And so, yeah, I just loved kids so much. And I wanted my own family and I wanted to be a stay at home mom. That was kind of my dream and goal in life, partly because my mom was a stay at home mom. And so that's what I saw modeled. And I thought, well, since I love kids that I would love being a stay at home mom. And that's just all I imagined and all I dreamed of doing. And as it turned out, that wasn't exactly what I wanted when I got there. But Before I became my own mom, I had an interesting journey as a child in my family, and I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty details. It's not really my story to tell, and if you are listening have experienced challenges in your family of origin, then you may be able to relate to my desire to want to be tender and protect the story, you know, family members may or may not listen to this. I have no idea, but I'm very sensitive to sharing of details. But what I will say is that I I grew up in a family environment where everything looked really great from the outside. And it wasn't until I got some distance from that environment that I really understood that maybe it wasn't the healthiest and safest space for me to be all the time. So when I got to college and I was able to see, I went to college out of state and had some significant distance in miles between my family and I. And then also just in, you know, life I had, I was I was very much an independent person once I went to college and I saw things that happened in my own home and in the relationships with my family members from a very different perspective. Now, years and years later here as a 37-year-old adult, do I think that my college perception of my family of origin was 100% accurate? Of course not. I really have a hard time even wrapping my arms and my brain around the idea of perspective and perception because you live a moment in the moment, you revisit those moments in your memories. And then as you grow and change and develop, your understanding of those memories can shift and change, but you can't go back to the moment. So each change in my path as a child growing into adulthood and then becoming a mother, I have... I would say to the best of my ability, released my grip on the details of events and really tried to lean into the trust I have for myself, for my body and for the way that those memories feel because the facts are fuzzy. And maybe that is because I 
have repressed things. I'm not really sure. I don't have like the crispest memories of my upbringing. But what I do know is that as I became my own adult and started to forge my own relationships independent of my parents and I have a younger brother um, and then I have two younger sisters from my dad's second marriage who weren't part of this origin story at all. Um, you know, as I started to, to become more of my own person in my own eyes, I could just see how some of the things that occurred, the way that I felt, the messages that I received, they were not the best for me. And yet now I know that everybody was just doing their best. And on a soul level, I do truly believe that I chose my parents and I chose this path. And so I hold, I hold so much love and compassion and respect for my parents. At the same time, when I was 24, so this was in 2009-ish, that was the last time that I saw my mother and that I talked to my mother in person. So it's been 14 years now. I'm I'm 37 and I, I have not seen or spoken to my mom since then. So my husband has never met my mom. My children haven't. I have lived a lot of life with this choice to have significant distance. Again, in space, we live in different states, so we don't bump into each other at the grocery store. I think that that could be a very different situation, but we live in different states and we we do not speak. And this has been primarily, I would say with full transparency, my choice. And the reason for making that choice back in 2009, it wasn't that I I didn't believe or plan for that separation to be permanent, but I knew that at that time, the space was required and necessary for my health and my healing. And as life has unfolded, that choice has been confirmed and affirmed within me. And so I never say never. And I try to keep the channel of written communication open. And again, as I have grown into my own motherhood journey, I still have quite young kids. I have a one-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. So just now are they becoming the two oldest, you know, the most like scratching the surface aware of like, who is your mom, mama? (laughs) You know, that really hasn't been something I've had to navigate or deal with yet, just on the, you know, most cursory level. So I, I'm not sure, you know, how, how that journey will unfold and how their relationships might be with, with their grandmother. I have no idea. And I'm okay with that. Again, I have this like trepidation and nervousness in my voice and in my heart as I share this with you because it has been a difficult choice to make to get married. And then I had a miscarriage with my first pregnancy. And then I had three children. I mean, these are big life milestones that a lot of people would want to navigate with their own mother. And I have chosen not to. And 
that choice has kind of forged me in part to who I am because in that journey, I've had to mother myself and find other mother figures who could give me a bit of guidance and support when I needed it. So you might have come across this term of reparenting. It's something that I've seen a lot more in the collective consciousness lately. And it's the practice of giving yourself what you didn't receive as a child. And this can be a really healing practice. However, the first time I came across the term reparenting, I was a little like shocked and ashamed of myself as a mother because I wondered like, oh, are my kids going to reparent themselves? Like, are they going to go back and do redo everything that I've done? And maybe it's just a semantics thing, but I don't I think the concept of reparenting is is really lovely and beautiful. I just don't like the name. <laughs> so maybe that resonates with you or maybe you're like, Kayleen, you're being way too picky. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, the term self-mothering is exactly what it sounds like. It's giving yourself the motherly love and support that we all deserve. And I see it as much less of traveling back into the past and more about giving yourself the care you need, the care you crave, the care you deserve in the present moment and paving a path of nurturing self forward. So think about that for a second, see if it resonates with you. And regardless of whether or not you have a relationship with your mom, or if you don't, if your mom is no longer with us, or if she's somebody who's not in your life for her choices or your choices or whatever, there are still lots of people, believe me, I have clients and friends who have challenges with their relationships with their moms. And so self-mothering can still soothe and support yourself, especially if you're listening to this live, we're heading into the holiday season. And I mean, that is a time when challenges with family can sometimes become like front and center. Those wounds can be like brought up again and turn raw, even though you felt like you healed them. So if that is something that you are familiar with experiencing through the holidays, or you just know that that, you know, might happen with you, this practice and idea of self-mothering can be really supportive. So in my own journey of living the last 14 or so years without a relationship with my mom and, you know, having times when I've questioned if that was the right choice for me or not and, you know, received letters from her and questions from family on like what, you know, what I'm, I'm doing. Overall, I would say the people in my life really support and understand where I'm coming from, but that doesn't mean it has been an easy choice or an easy path to navigate, but I have cultivated some practices to, again, keep the energetic door open to, to her 
and to that possibility while still setting myself up in a way that feels safe and secure and supported where I can give myself what I need and not live in the land of what if and wondering and that like sense of like, gosh, am I doing the wrong thing? Because I I don't know if my choices are perfect, right? There's no way to know. I, a lot of times people will ask me about intuition just in general, like, oh, well, how do you know if your intuition's telling you the right thing or not? <laughs> like, I have no idea. How does it feel in your body? Does it feel secure and safe and supportive? And even if you're not thrilled about the wisdom, you know, if your mind is like, oh, I don't know about that, but your body feels good and aligned and okay with that wisdom or with that choice, then then you can trust it. And it doesn't mean you're going to have like that 100%, okay, that's absolutely correct, the right choice in the moment, because most of the time we don't know that until after the fact. Like I've just got the vision of like jeopardy, you know, like if you are answering a question in Jeopardy, you can be pretty sure you're going to answer the question right. But it isn't until the like binging noise happens, like confirming yes or like no, that's when you know if you made the right choice, but it's after you made the choice. So it is difficult to, to make choices, especially with family members and especially with your own heart. But the body, the like connection to your intuition, those are the things that are going to help serve you, help honor you as you make choices that are right for yourself. So I'm going to share six practices for self-mothering. These are things that you can explore and try on and see if they give you that feeling of care and nurture that you're seeking or that you're desiring or that you know would feel good for you. So the first one is to listen to your intuition. With the concept of motherhood and mothering in mind, your inner voice is kind of that like best, most juicy, most loving mother figure you could ever imagine. And so when you tap into that intuitive energy, you are connecting to that mother wisdom within you. And it is a universal wisdom that connects us to all intuitions in present moment and in the past and in the future. These intuitive knowings are connected and your inner voice can support you in tiny everyday details, but it can also help you with the big life decisions. So listen, listen, listen to the beautiful wisdom that you receive from your intuition. And if you're new to this practice, I have lots of resources and support available, either free or paid to to help you learn how to hear your inner voice and trust that wisdom so that you can take aligned action. Check out my free guide for strengthening your intuition. It's called 21 Days to Intuition. And that's kind of like the first step to to playing with listening to your intuition. Number two is tend to your 
basic needs. So make sure you're drinking enough water. Make sure you're eating when you're hungry. Make sure you're resting when you're tired. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday who I haven't seen in so long. Hi, Lauren. I love you so much. We used to be coworkers and I just adore her. I adore her. But we were talking about parenting and sleep. And I was telling her because we are both pretty pro sleep in our families. We've got young children and we want them to sleep because it is very important for our own mental health. But it's also we know from like the research and the reading and all of that, the sleep is good for children, right? Despite what they may tell us when they're refusing to take a nap, it is really good for kids to have a healthy relationship with sleep. And maybe that's not something that you were taught. That's fine. That's okay. I was telling her that instilling healthy, supportive sleep habits in your family is a generational healing. And she kind of laughed. And I mean, maybe I was trying to be slightly funny, but I was also speaking truth because sleep like any other just basic need in life sometimes gets brushed over in our society as like, oh, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like hustle culture is so big. And even if you're in this path of ease and alignment and flow, there's still so much healing that needs to happen around taking care of yourself and tending to your basic needs. And as a self-mothering practice, like if you think about, if you have your own children, the way that you are like, oh, you know, have a sip of water, make sure you go potty, have a snack. Like we're always constantly making sure those basic needs are met for our children. And that is something that you can give to yourself. So when you notice that you're thirsty, like right now, is your mouth a little dry? Mine is, I'm gonna take a sip of water. So let's tend to your basic needs and give yourself what it is that you need on just like a very primal level to feel fulfilled as the person that you are. Number three, make space for you. So no matter how simple or small, creating a small space for yourself will bring you a sense of groundedness through the ups and downs of life. So if you think about your closet or your desk or a cupboard in your kitchen in maybe it's like a, the space of your your driver's seat of your car, just a, a small space that is yours that you can bless, that you can tend to, that you can cultivate and make a little haven for you. For me, that's definitely my closet. And I know um, one of my clients and listeners and dear friends, Taryn, also has made her clothis her haven and, and space of nurturing and support. I'll link to her Instagram and you can check her out, but she, you know, really spent a lot of time and energy making her closet. It's like a, it was a craft closet in their house, making it a safe place for herself. So that is a way for you to practice self-mothering is to, to make a space for you. And 
come to it when you need that connection to self, when you need a little bit of rest, when you need a little bit of nurturing, or when you need that creative connection, that spark of, you know, it doesn't always have to be like when you're low. It can also be when you like are excited and energized and and want to in, feel empowered and embodied. Come to to this space for you. Number four is create supportive boundaries. So be an advocate for yourself. Be a mama bear for yourself. If someone is bringing you down, create boundaries that support your health and your wholeness. And boundaries are a topic that I haven't really, I think I have one podcast episode about it. And I think I talked about how I don't have too many boundaries, but that's kind of an interesting thing to say in light of the topic of today's conversation. I have upheld some really big boundaries in my life. And then on, I guess, maybe a smaller scale, I, I use boundaries a little less, but boundaries are also just a supportive way for you to hold yourself. So a lot of times boundaries are much less about the other people and more about you and what you need. And so just like you maybe would seek resolution or solving a problem if your child was struggling with a tricky individual or a tricky situation, you may step in to to hold some boundaries there to create safety and support for them. So think about how you can do that for yourself in a self-mothering way. Number five is deepen meaningful connections. So give yourself permission and time to cultivate relationships that bring you love, that bring you joy, growth, and encouragement. I have a really clear memory of realizing that in this journey and path of not having a relationship with my mom, it was important for me to open myself up to women in my life because I had previously been the kind of girl and teenager and 20 something who was like, much preferred guys. I like to be one of the guys. I hang out with guys. Like that was, I, I just, I didn't, I wasn't super girly. I was an athlete. I liked to, I had like a crass sense of humor. I definitely fit in with boys better than I fit in with girls. Not to say I didn't have girlfriends, but much, much more one of the boys. And it got to a point where I kind of realized like, oh, I was really in my masculine energy and not in my feminine. And I wanted to kind of be open to relationships that felt soothing and nurturing and nourishing. And those oftentimes for me personally were with women. And so not only just being open to those connections, but then spending attention and intention deepening those connections and knowing that life is long and sometimes relationships are a slow burn, but just giving yourself permission to to have a, a play date with another 
person, maybe it's a woman who, you know, you connect with and who feels like a supportive space in your life. And it doesn't have to be that you're going to have like a new best friend, though that can be what it turns into, but just giving yourself permission to cultivate those relationships, to be open to them, to, to have lunch or to go to an event with somebody who really gives you that encouragement and that support that you want. And then number six, last one on the list of ways to practice self-mothering is to practice restorative rituals. So these are small everyday practices that give you the feeling of being cared for, adored, and supported just in that mothering energy of a big hug and an I'm proud of you and you did a good job today. So it, it can be super, super simple. Or if you like your rituals to be a little bit more elaborate or complex, hey, more power to you. But just look for ways to, to tend to and take care of your heart and restore your energy, restore your spirit when you feel like that's what you need. One of the ways that my intuition has helped me find peace and healing around this subject is to just know that everybody's doing the best that they can. And that can be a very like flippant remark, or it can be just the deepest, deepest truth. And as the onion of life continues to unfold and and peel back more and more, I have respect and love for, again, my family and the generations that came before me. I have so much love and respect for the future generations and my children, my children's children. And so I know that I am by no means a perfect parent. I do and say things um, on a basis that is more frequent than I would desire that I get that give me pause and make me wonder where they came from and if that is something that I want to perpetuate. And so I think that life is just this incredible opportunity to experience wonder and joy and magic and to heal, heal, heal. And one of the things my inner voice recently shared with me is that resisting just delays the healing. And this was in regards to a small thing that's been happening in my home lately where my four-year-old daughter has been pushing my buttons and my buttons have been being pushed by her behavior, I should say. And so I have just been trying to, in a very reactionary way, make it stop. Whatever it is that's pushing my buttons, I just want it to stop. And what my inner voice was telling me, the wisdom that was coming through me to me, is that by just trying to make it stop, I'm just pushing off the healing. And so rather, when available, again, not seeking perfection, just awareness, when available, if I can lean into the discomfort ever so slightly and be open to seeing the moment for what it is, which is that I'm a little irritated, but she's really not doing anything dramatically wrong. And rather than trying to stop or silence her, can I be with myself in my irritation and love and soothe myself and heal myself and my 
my inner child. So self-mothering is a, a practice of giving yourself what maybe your mom couldn't give you. You know, this journey that I have been on and, and being 37 years old with three children, that was not my mother's experience. And there is so much that I have and have done in my life because of the choices that she made. So I have, I'm, you know, very much so I'm standing on her shoulders and I'm standing in a huge space of privilege and so much so that, you know, I, I do what I can to try to be aware of that and not take advantage of it. But you know, again, nobody's perfect. And I am not in any way saying that I am or that that is the aim. But I'm hopeful that this conversation is in some way supportive for you, regardless of your relationship with your mother, regardless of your relationship with your children, if you have them, but just a a confirmation and affirmation that you can take care of yourself with a little bit more of that mothering energy that so many of us crave. So that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, if something was helpful for you, please send this episode to a friend, especially if you know someone who could use a little extra love around this topic of moms and motherhood. And if you have two minutes, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would just mean so much to me. Here's a review that Michelle Sophia left for the show. She said, Kayleen has a way of evoking calm and lightheartedness in all of her episodes, no matter the topic. I love listening to her show as a way to start my day, recenter myself while going on a walk or when I'm in need of some guidance. Her down-to-earth, relatable nature makes it feel like I'm hanging out with a friend and her ability to inspire listeners to cultivate magic within their day has truly been life-changing. 11 out of 10 would recommend. Thank you so much, Michelle. If you want to leave a review, open up Apple Podcasts, the app, and scroll down to the ratings and review section. Just tap on the five stars to rate the show and then leave a little message. I mean, just the tiniest two sentences would mean the world to me. And I would love to share your review on the next show. If you're looking for more support and ways to work with me, there's a lot of amazing options right now. The Gift of Intuition is a single coaching session just in time for the holidays. You can connect to your intuition, get some calm, get some clarity in one hour, and my calendar's open right now. The Season Sessions is my signature offer. It is tons of access to me for an entire year and my incredible community of women who are connecting with their intuition, trusting what they hear, and taking aligned action. If you want to just start cultivating that connection to your intuition, 21 Days to Intuition is a free guide that will help you strengthen and tune into your inner voice with prompts and practices to try over three weeks. Now that it's the beginning of November, it's a great time to get started. 
And then finally, I have a free guided meditation to help you release stress and cultivate a merry, mindful mood for the holiday season. And that guided meditation has a ton of free bonuses. So it's free to download. And then it also has this whole bonus section to help you set intentions and journal about the holiday season. So it's really, really good. Definitely check that out. And then finally, if you are listening to this live and it is November 3rd, tomorrow, November 4th at 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm hosting another free inner voice journaling session in Jess Lively's The Living Room. There's a few more dates coming up, so stay tuned for that if you want to join me, but you can sign up via the link in the show notes, and I would just love to have you there. All right, friend, here is what I want you to know. You are doing so well. You are guided on the path to your desires. So stay curious, watch for magic, keep listening to your intuition, play with trusting the beautiful wisdom you receive. And when you act, let inspiration flow through you, even in the smallest ways. Thank you so much for listening. Visit KayleenElise.com for links and notes from today's episode. Connect with me on Instagram. I'm at KayleenElise. Please share this pod with anyone who could use a little extra magic in their everyday life. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'll talk to you then.